Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our lead pastor, Dr. Phil Willingham. Hey, I want you to grab your Bibles and grab your worship guide and... uh... We want to welcome all the campuses. We've already, I've already got you out of your comfort zone this morning. We sung one song three times. Some of you listen, absolutely, it was just kind of, your brain was just spinning overtime. I could tell, oh my Lord. <laughs> it's because I, I was almost just going to do a Jericho march, you know, but Pentecostal people, you know, if you've not been around Pentecostals when they start marching, you know, one, one, one parent had their child in, in a Pentecostal church, and, you know, people started worshiping. They started marching. You know, he'd been coming to Sunday school for some time, but he'd never seen it. And he said, Mom, what are they doing? He said, she said, well, that's the Jericho marcher, marching around the wall. He grabbed his mom. He said, Mom, don't they know how that story ends? Stop them before they get the seven, for God's sake. Don't let them get the seven times. The wall is going to come down on top of us. Hey, I think we got a unique question this morning. It's a parent question. It's even a spouse question. Why don't you do what I say? Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever said that to your kids? You looked at them, what's wrong with you? One husband was reading an article to his wife, and he said, I'm, I'm reading that women speak 30,000 words a day, and men only speak 15,000 words a day. Why is that? And the wife, wife replied, it's because we have to repeat everything we say because you don't listen. He looked at her, and he said, what? What would you say? One husband told his wife, said, honey, said, I want you to trust me. All your secrets are safe with me. She said, really? He said, yes. He said, chances are I'm not listening anyway. <laughs> you know, Jesus is going to bring us to a very unique place in Luke chapter 6. He's going to teach his disciples. He's going to teach us what does it really mean to follow Jesus? He'd been praying upon a mountain by himself. He comes down off of that mountain. He gets his disciples around him. A large crowd starts following him. When you start reading in Luke's gospel in chapter 6 and verses 17 through 19, the Bible said that they came to Jesus and, and they wanted to be healed of their diseases. So people are coming to Jesus, they want to be healed. And the Bible said that people tried to touch him. And when people touched Jesus, power went out from him. And the Bible says he healed them all. I mean, that's what Jesus did, right? He did miracles. He connected with people. He, he cared about what people were going through. But then Jesus starts talking to them about what does it mean to be a disciple of, of him? What does it mean to truly follow me? He talks about loving your enemies. He talks about don't judge other people. He talks about forgiving people. I tell people all the time, if you're having trouble forgiving somebody, why don't you just pray for them? Because if you pray for them, it may or may not change them, but it will absolutely change you. 
R.T. Sproul and said he used to have an enemies list. He used to pray for, for his enemies because he's seen what blessing that God put on his life when he was praying for his enemies. i got a few enemies that I pray for every day. You're not on that list yet. But, no, just, but, he, but, but he talked about how that when you prayed for people that you struggled having relationship with, he said it absolutely changes you. And then he talks about trees, and he talks about fruit. And then he gets down to houses and foundations. That's where we're going to pick up with Luke chapter 6. And Jesus starts out with this question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words... A lot of people were doing that, right? I just, just shared it with you. They come to him. They were being healed. So they come to him. They heard his words. But he said, and puts them into practice. I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came and the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. So the basic message that Jesus is going to tell us, he said, listen, talk is cheap. Right? Come on. Talk is cheap. You, 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 if you're going to talk the talk, you need to know how to walk the walk. And they said, it isn't just about coming to me. It's just not about hearing me. It's about doing what I say. And, and Jesus said that if you obey his words, that your life can stand the flare-ups that's going to happen. Because you're going to have a life that's, that has built a foundation upon a solid foundation, which is God's words or his word, the word of God. But if you don't build upon that foundation, he said, whereas you're, when the storms come, you're, you're going to be destroyed by that, by that disaster. Now, as you look at the life of Jesus, there were so many people that were just fascinated with Jesus. The evidence is that many times he had crowds of people, 5, 10, 20,000 people would come to Jesus. Why did they come? They come to hear him and they come to be healed of him. But as the evidence of Jesus' words here this morning is we're going to look at, while there were many people that tried to identify as his disciples, many people even affirmed that, hey, you're master or you're teacher to me. He said, despite all of that, your many people are falling short over this one thing. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Now, both the obedient and the disobedient have one thing in common. They come to Jesus, they hear to Jesus. But there's a clear discrepancy in the quality of life that was produced by those who hear and obey versus those who hear and do not obey. 
How can we tell the discrepancy? Where is it going to show up? Listen, it's interesting that the mystery only happens. We see, the, we, we see them experience the difference when? When the storms come in our life. Do you follow me? Jesus didn't say if the storms come or maybe the storms will come. He said, but when the storms come. In other words, it's inevitable that you and I are going to have storms in life. And it's critical for survival of storm that we lay a foundation that can stand that storm. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. But we have to be intentional about that. It doesn't just happen. So Jesus gives us three verbs. He uses three, three verbs to describe the process, everybody say process, of obeying him. Now again, listen, what, what happens is that, that psychologists will tell us that you and I will acquire the similarities to the people that we hang around with, the people that we know, and the people that we spend time with. But it's a process that happens. You, 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 you don't become like somebody just because you meet somebody. You don't become like somebody just because you hear them sing or hear them speak. You become like somebody when you start hanging around them. It is a process. How many understands that in the church, we love events, we don't like process? We love things that happen now. We love events. We love the plan. I, I, I liken it like this. It's like young couples. Young couples love the, love the event of getting pregnant. They don't like the process of the nine months or the 19 years of raising that child. Hello. Oh, you, you, some of you are afraid to admit you love the process, but the process was pretty good. If you understand the event of what it's going to lead to, and basically that, that's what Jesus is going to get to. He says in order for our lives to withstand the storms, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? So there's three verbs that you write down this first word. This first word is the word come. He says we have to come to Jesus. Whether we do this in the company of believers or we do it individually, we, we come to Jesus. It's a, it's a personal coming to Jesus. He said this in Matthew 11. He said, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden. I will give you rest. All of you take my yoke and learn of me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, probably... Many theologians say this is probably one of the most misunderstood texts in the New Testament because most people want to use Matthew 11 and 28 as the idea that we come to Jesus and we just drop all of our burdens and all of our cares and, and we just give him all of our troubles and we just kind of unload everything on him. Now, in a broad sense, we know there is some truth to that, right? We, we can bring our burdens to the Lord, First Peter 5 and 7. We can cast all of our care upon him, for he cares for us. So in a broad sense, we know there's some truth to that, but that's not what the meaning of this text is here in Matthew eleven twenty eight. When Jesus spoke those words, he's looking at the nation of Israel. He's looking at all these Israelites that were totally exhausted, 
because they've been trying to keep all the rules of the Torah. They've been trying to obey. And by the time Jesus shows up, there's not 10 commandments. There's 613 commandments that they have now put together. Can you imagine the exhaustion that the Israelites was going through trying to keep every one of the commandments? And listen, Jesus looks at them and said, guys, you don't understand. The Old Testament, the commandments were never intended to bring you uh, peace and give you a, a sense of uh, comfort with God. The Old Testament, the commandments, all they do is that they reveal our sinfulness and they show us our need for a Savior. I can't live like that by myself. The Old Testament was always about separation and distance. But the New Testament comes along and we see the solution is found not in a commandment, but in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is about connection and relationship. You don't believe me? In Matthew 20, he took all the law. He took all the commandments. He said, guys, I want to take everything and reduce them down to two things. What are they? Love God with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He said all the law and commandments hang on those two commandments. What is those two commandments about? They're about relationship. True? They're about connecting. And listen, we, we know it's only possible through God's grace that, that comes through Jesus Christ himself. Yes, we come as feeble, broken people. Yes, we, we, we come so many times in our incapable and our desperate situation. We come heavy laden, burdened with our sin, only to discover that Jesus is there to greet us and meet us, and he is sufficient for all of our need. You know what sin says? Sin says, shame on you. You ever committed a sin and felt shame, embarrassment? You know what Jesus said? Sin says, shame on you. Jesus says, shame on me. He becomes sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. So we come to Jesus. That's the start. It's where everybody has to begin. We come, it's no longer shame on me, it's shame on Jesus. And Jesus looks at me and said, because you've received me, guess what? Shame be gone. You're now made the righteousness of God. That's amazing truth. But he didn't stop there. He said, not only did we come to Jesus, but if anybody would come after me, he said, we, we come, but then he said, we, we hear him. Now, let me see if I can get you to agree with something in this message. Anybody here believe that communication is absolutely critical to any relationship? There's a few, there are a few married people, a few parents, that you understand that if you don't have proper communication, listen, poor communication will always get relationships in trouble. And part of communication isn't just talking. It's listening. It's like one lady said to her husband, she, she said, honey, I know you believe you understand what you think I said, but I'm not sure you realize that what you heard is not what I really meant. Confused yet? 
Yeah, we do it all the time. We think communication is about, listen, look, look at James 1 and 19. There's a great verse here. He said, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. You know why we're quick to get angry? Because we're quick to speak. He said, I want you to be quick to listen. You know what that means? It means you have to be fast. You have to be swift. You have to be prompt. You have to be ready to listen. Have you noticed in everybody in this room and people watching, have you noticed the fact that when God created us, he gave us two ears and only one mouth? <laughs> you think he wants us to listen twice as much as we talk? Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, Jesus said, I want you to come, and I want you to hear. Now, I didn't put this in your notes, but you, some of you need this. I'm going to give you, if you'll listen to me the next three to four minutes, I guarantee you this is going to be the best, best relationship uh, material that you've gotten in a long time. There's four types of listeners. It's important to listen. The first type of listener is the pretend listener, like some of you are doing right now. The, the pretend listener is the person who listens, but they're really fake listening. They, they, they hear words, but they don't absorb any meaning to what's being said. And there's a lot of marriages that get in trouble, a lot of parents with their kids, that our communication is in trouble because people are just pretend listening. They're, they're not absorbing the meaning. Then secondly, there's a selective listener. Some of you are doing that. You, you listen in, you tune in, you tune out, you only grasp the meaning of the things that really interest you. People are selective. Listen, I'm always amazed. Sometimes I'll preach 40, 45 minutes, and, and I'll say 43 and a half minutes of good stuff, and I'll have two minutes where I've said something stupid or dumb, and, and people, are, they listen, they, and they'll email me on Monday, and out of all the things they selectively chose, why did you say that, Pastor Phil? Wait a minute, I had 43 and a half minutes of good stuff. No, selective listeners, they listen only for the things that interested them. And again, we, we do it relationship. Wife talking, husband watching the news or reading the paper, reading the book, and she's saying, she's saying, she's saying, and then she said, and I'm going to have an affair with your best friend. What are you going to do? What? Oh, he perked up, right? Come on. So, so there's, a, there's a pretend listener, there's a selective listener, then there's the pro, protective listener. Oh, this is where a lot of relationships are. Protective listeners is people who they don't hear or listen to anything that they perceive as threatening. As soon as they hear something in the conversation that they don't like, they shut. That's enough. I'm done. I'm done. We're done. Ain't going to talk. Well, yeah, but I just want, nope, nope. Ain't going to say nothing. I'm just, we're, we're done. We're done. What is that? That's the protective listener. That's the person that now is beginning to have to look and face reality that just maybe I might be part of the problem. Are you with me? Oh, Jesus. I haven't preached in a couple of weeks. I mean, I, I thought I'd get more love than this. I'm just telling you. I'm really trying to help you. 
Why, why, do you, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? Listen, Jesus knew what it was to have pretend listeners. He knew what it was to have selective listeners or protective listeners. But the best kind of listener that Jesus wants us to be is the active listener. The active listener doesn't just pay attention to the person speaking, but they listen with an open heart. They listen with patience. They listen to what's being said. They want to focus. Ultimately, they want to be able to listen to what's being communicated. Why? So I can comply. I can obey. I can do what I'm being asked to do. Does that make sense? That this is what Jesus is challenging us. We have to listen and, and discern to what Jesus is saying to us corporately, individually. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they do what? They follow me. So, so, so coming to Jesus has to do with my salvation. We all have to come to Jesus, and being able to hear Jesus, it has to do with our fellowship and our fellowship. Are you with me? So he says, we come, we hear, fellowship, fellowship. And then he gives us the third verb. And the third verb is, well, first let me tell you that the Christian life is a life in the spirit, not in the flesh. Now that's important. I'm always confused of how many people who will, who understands that it's grace through faith that we are saved, but, but somehow or another, they, they have this strange responsibility to think that they have to live the Christian life in their own, li in their own strength, and their own ability. No, God created us for connection. He wants to connect with us. He, he, he wants to allow the Holy Spirit to be in our lives, leading us and empowering us. Listen, God's not just another religion. He's all about relationship. We were designed for relationship. How do we have this fellowship? We, we connect with God. How do we do that? We connect with him by trusting him. We, we connect with him through prayer. Listen, somebody asked me the other day, he said, Pastor Phil, I just, I just get so tired of having to go through one battle after another. I said, I, I, wish, I wish my battles would just be over with. I said, well, there's one or two things can happen. Number one, you can die. I'm, I'm assuming that's not an option today. You don't want to die. I said, the other one is, why not, why not make it a habit to talk to God in times other than just when you need his help? <laughs> you, you, you do realize some of you would never pray if you didn't have problems. <laughs> I'm just talking. So, so, some of us, the only time we ever call out on God is when we need him. But, but when you start this coming to him and hearing him and listening, an active listener. You're, you're, you've got this fellowship and this fellowship going along. What it does, it, it builds gratitude in our life. Ron and I started just doing a, a gratitude walk in the mornings. Now, we, we, we prayed together. We've shared together. But I, I told her, I said, listen, let's just get up. And, you know, when you get up, before I leave our office, I said, let's just walk. And we walk outside. And we, we just hold hands. And now we're not, I have a calendar. I have things I got to do. And she's got things she's, I, I do, we talk, no, of that stuff, we just talk about the blessings, how grateful we are of what God is doing and has done in our life. And it's amazing how that improves 
your fellowship and your fellowship with God. When you focus on how good God's been to you. When you focus on, yeah, the times that God give us miracles, but you also focus the time, yeah, the miracle didn't happen when I wanted. Listen, God is always on time. Our timing may not be met. Our time, but listen, when you focus on even when the miracle didn't happen, God showed up with his grace and his goodness that just kept following me and kept me through that time. You follow me? So we come to Jesus, we hear Jesus, and then he gives us a third verb. It's the third verb is we act. See, what Jesus is telling us, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? What he's telling us that obe- obedience always requires actions. And sometimes in our actions, it may be forego doing something that is wrong, that God's leading you to, or maybe sometimes it's doing what the right thing is. But either way, it's either foregoing something or doing something is always involves actions. Listen, write this down. We don't read the Bible to complete something. We read the Bible to connect with Jesus Christ. Selah, think about that. I know we got people in this church, you read the Bible every year, and that's awesome. I, I love it. We, we have Bible plans that we read. I got convicted the other day when I was thinking about reading the Scripture. When was the last time when you read the Bible, it wasn't about completing something, it was about connecting? God, I didn't, I didn't finish that chapter, I didn't finish that book, just to say, oh, I read through the whole Bible, I read from Genesis to Revelation. No, when was the last time you read for connection rather than completion? Does that make sense to anybody? It changes our lives when we start acting upon what he said. Again, go back to James chapter 1. He talked about being, being quick to listen and, and, and slow to speak and slow to anger. He said, ridding yourselves of moral filth and evil, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. Be you doers of the word and not hearers only. When we do that, you are deceiving yourself. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, you're like a man. You look at your own face in the mirror, and you, 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 you look at himself, and you go away, and immediately you forget what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but one who does good works. That person will be blessed in all that he does. We live the Word. We, we put it into practice. We allow God. We, we come to Him. We, we follow Him. We fellowship with Him. We understand the fact that God wants us to, to be a part of this relationship. But then ultimately, we, what do we do? We act. I told the men's Bible study group this morning, most of us are far educated beyond our level of obedience. We know more than what we're doing. Come on, don't look at me like you're so righteous. You know in your heart. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? We come to him. We listen to him, actively listen to him, and then we act. So how do we do that? Let me give you three quick action steps. 
First of all, we have to know the teachings of Jesus. We read the scriptures. It's the reason why we read it, not for completion, but for what? Come on. Connect. Everybody say connection. But listen, how do I connect with the scripture? When I read a passage of scripture, when I finish with that chapter, I finish that verse, I ask the simple question, how do you want to use this passage of scripture to change or transform my life? Good, what are you saying to me today with this? Good, how am I supposed to use this in my life? 2 Timothy 3.17 says that, that the Word of God is, is, is something that God uses, not just about information, but it's about transformation. It isn't just about giving us more knowledge. I don't stand up here, or we don't have this somebody in this pulpit every week teaching just so we can gain more knowledge and we can get smarter. No, no, no. It isn't about getting smarter. It's about how can we hear the Word of God, listen to the Word of God, act on the Word of God, so why? It transforms our lives. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16, and 17, that listen to this verse. It's not in your notes. I give the reference. But he said, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, teaching tells us what's right. God uses his word to teach us of what's right. Rebuking tells us what's not right. Okay? Correction, when God uses his word to correct us, it tells us how to get right. And then training tells us how to stay right. <laughs> Don't you love it? Why, why, why does God do that? Because he, he wants connection with us. He wants relationship with us. So, so we have to know the teachings of Jesus. We, we spend some time in fellowship. Secondly, we have to establish a foundation of delighting in Jesus. You see, it, what, what we have to be careful of as a church and as an individual, you, you, you can know the facts about Jesus. You can know the figures about Jesus. You can know the statements about Jesus without ever focusing on the person of Jesus, the goodness of Jesus, the faithfulness of God through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, I've, I've seen this principle, uh, you know, here in this congregation. We've got people that, that have gone through trials and struggles and difficulties, not just days or weeks, but, but years, and, and they've displayed this attitude of good times and bad times, challenging times, painful times, disappointment times. They, they've had the attitude yet, but God is good, and His mercy endures forever. You, 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 just, you just establish an attitude that you, that you delight in the Lord. And this attitude carries you through it. it. It moves you through the good times and the bad times of your life. And listen, the only way that we can do that is to understand that God's commandments are not grievous. 
God doesn't tell us things not to do or give us things that we should be doing, trying to make it hard on us. He wants us to enjoy the journey. That's the reason why he said, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. You delight in him. Regardless of the task, regardless of the struggle, the trial you're going through, regardless of the blessing, you just delight in the Lord. You say, oh, Lord, I've got this foundation. I, I refuse to let the enemy make me think for one moment because I'm going through this trial that you have somehow or another forgotten me. You ever, had, you ever had to battle that? And the way you battle that, the way I battle that, is I establish this foundation that God is good. God is good all the time. I may not see his goodness. I may not feel his goodness. But God, you are absolutely good. I, I love what the psalmist writes in Psalm 1611. He said, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forever. We establish that foundation in delighting ourselves in the Lord. And then thirdly, we determine that God's plan for our life is always better than our plan. I want you to just stay here with me for just a few seconds. Why, 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 why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? There was crowds. There was multitudes around Jesus. They come to Jesus. They wanted to be healed of Jesus, but Jesus said, oh, by the way, it's not just about coming. It's not just about listening. It's not just, a, it's not just about those. It's about acting and obeying my words. And in doing so, I know what the Word says. I, I, I build a foundation on delighting in God, but ultimately, now watch this, ultimately, if I'm going to be obedient to what God said, I have to determine that God's plan is always better than my plan. You know what the number one lie that Satan used? It goes all the way back to, to Genesis chapter when Adam and Eve was in the garden. It is a lie of mistrusting God. It was mistrust in the fact that God's plan was better for Adam and Eve than their plan would ever be, that got them in trouble. Now, most of us know the story of Adam and Eve. They're in this garden, this beautiful garden that God has created. Every tree is in the garden. Is theirs. There's just two trees in the midst of the garden, the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, you can eat of every tree in the garden. There's just one tree in the midst of the garden, the tree of good, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You do not eat of that tree. They're just hanging out. They're enjoying God. And all of a sudden, this talking snake shows up. Now, right there would be a sign to me, we might be in trouble. Okay? A snake shows up and starts talking. But now, some theologians have the idea that Adam and Eve was like Dr. Uh, Dr. Doolittle, okay? In the, in the garden, they could talk to all the animals. They had conversation. That's the reason why Adam couldn't find a help me. He tried to talk to the ape, and he said, hey, listen, me and the ape, well, I'm just not feeling it, bro. I'm just, I'm just, oh, they, they had the ability to talk. So maybe it wasn't a shock for Eve to have this snake talking to her. But the moment the snake started talking to her and getting her to question whether or not God's plan was better than their plan, that's where the trouble started. 
She starts listening to the snake. He convinces her to eat of the fruit of the knowledge, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the one tree that God said, I don't want you to eat. She turns around and gives it to Adam, and the result is what? Separation. Now listen, that's what sin always does. Sin and evil, ultimate goal is separation. Separate us from God. Separate us from other people. And most of us in this room, we know what it feels like to have oneness in our relationship. We know what it feels like to have separation. You and your wife, you're agreeing on everything. Kids are all kumbaya. We're all happy. We're all, we're all together. We, we, have, we have unity. Man, that, doesn't that feel awesome? You know, you sit close to each other on the couch, and you kind of reach over there and hold each other's hand a little bit, just out of the blue. But we also know what separation feels like. We also know what it is when you come in the house, and you know you've done something wrong, and you sit down, she gets up, she moves to the chair. Hello? Don't, don't look at me like I'm the only one that's ever felt that. Or you, you have your child, you're doing everything you can for that child, you're loving that child, providing for that child, but they've done something stupid and now you've, you've tried to deal with that and they, they, they in their own shame, they're separated, they go in the room and they lock the door, they shut the door. How does separation happen? I just, I just say, wait a minute, I promise I'm, I'm, I'm about done. Close, almost. Separation happened because Satan convinced Adam and Eve that God was holding out on them. That somehow or another they could actually achieve better circumstances for their lives if they just ate of the forbidding fruit. Because he told them, if you eat of this tree, you're going to be like who? Come on. God. But it's interesting. Before that moment ever happened, they were already like God. They were already made in the likeness and the image of God. But evil lied to them and caused them to forget the truth that God's way is always better than I way. And that lie caused them to have separation. And ultimately, the separation led to suffering. See, sin leads to separation and separation leads to searching, and searching leads to suffering. You know, you know why a lot of people are suffering today? You know why some of you right now, you're so miserable? You're searching for a better plan than God's plan for your life. You, you, you're in church, but you're still, you're still hearing the words, but you're not being an active listener to say, wait a minute, God, maybe, maybe the things I'm trying to achieve, maybe you want them to happen for me. Maybe, maybe they're even your desire for me, but I'm searching in the wrong place for those things. And I'm looking everywhere else. I've come to Jesus. I'm listening to Jesus. I'm trying to act and live the truth of Jesus. But ultimately, I have to be brought to that place where I am totally 100% convinced that God's plan is always better than my plan. And I challenge you, 
If you don't believe that statement to your core, listen, you're always going to be chasing after the next gratification to fulfill the desires of your heart. If you don't ultimately accept the fact, God knows better. He created me. He made me. He put inside of me my personality, my gifts, my talent. He's given me. Listen, the reason why God hasn't given us some of our dreams right now, because listen, our dreams might have been a nightmare. Hello? I was 15 to 16 years old. I just dreamed of this little girl every night. I mean, I was th- every moment I had, I was at her house. Man, we were making plans for our future. I thought for sure she was going to be the one I was going to marry. I even asked her to marry me, and we were making plans to get married, but it didn't work out. And you see the beautiful wife God's given me? Isn't that Several years ago, I'm going through Facebook, and I'm searching. I thought, I just wonder. And I look, and I say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, woo. I just, I just almost spoke in tongues when I saw what God gave me compared to what I might have. Come on. What is that? Some of us get mad at God because he doesn't fulfill our dream. Listen, God knows sometimes our dreams are just nightmares waiting to happen. But I have to, listen, come on, Pastor Lindsay. Listen, I put this in your notes. The more times you turn away to seeking after your personal satisfaction in the things of this world rather than God, it becomes easier and easier to do it in the next time. The more times you do, the more times you follow your flesh rather than the Spirit, You end up seeking fulfillment in the world rather than God. It's easier the next time. Now, in that moment, it would have been easy for God to say, what what are you thinking, Adam and Eve? What's wrong with you? How could you do this to me? But he didn't. Now, we do that with our, with our family, don't we? I cannot believe it. I just can't. All I do for you as your mama, all I do, I just cannot believe it. God didn't have any of that reaction to Adam and Eve. Why, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? You know what God does at this moment with Adam and Eve as you read that story? He points out to them that they were listening to the wrong voice because he said, who told you? Who told you your life would be better if you went your way? What lie? And listen, what what happens is You and I have to decide are we going to live in separation or connection? Because again, go back to Luke chapter 6. 
what distinguished the obedient and the disobedient person was what the foundation that they built their house. It wasn't if the storm come or maybe the, it's when the storm come. And what determined their foundation wasn't them coming to Jesus. It wasn't them hearing Jesus. It was them obeying Jesus. See, every, every day, every, every moment when you get out here today and you get in your car and you crank your car up, your radio comes on. When we're listening to the radio, every, every station within range is, is simultaneously being broadcast over the airways, right? Every, you understand, every station is happening. However, you only, you only hear the station that you tune into. Anybody remember the old AM8 radios when you, and today you're going to be, that I've got it tuned in, I now can hear. You follow me? Whatever you tune into, every day we have a choice. If we're going to tune into station 777 from God that tunes into faith and hope and love and belief and peace and joy, gives us confidence, gives us courage or calms us, or we're going to tune into station 666, the lie, that gives us fear, doubt, discouragement, distraction, deception, division, and weakens us. See, God's station, if you tune into his voice, he leads you to your destiny. If you listen to the wrong voice, if you listen to the lie of the enemy, he'll always lead you to demise. Always leads you to destruction. You see, I believe right now that the today's media today's media is a Bible of the fearful. Today's media is the Bible of the fearful. There's some of you that don't read this book every day, but you sure listen to the news every day. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not mad at you. I'm just telling you, and you wonder why there's so much fear and uncertainty and no hope and no future. What are you tuning into? What are you listening to? Somebody said, well, you know, but, you know, following God is so difficult. Listen, our path may be hard sometimes simply because our purpose is high. You understand that? The path that you and I own, if we come to Jesus, if we listen to Jesus and we obey Jesus, listen, he isn't saying that storms never come. They still come. But listen, because our path is high, it sometimes is hard. And sometimes, while we're waiting for God to change circumstances in our life, God's often waiting on us to allow circumstances to change us. You follow me? Sometimes it's in those moments that the Holy Spirit works on us just a little bit. And instead of finding ourselves feeling desperate, how many understands that desperation is a, is a horrible chauffeur? It's horrible to be chauffeured around by a desperate life. It's better to get in car with destiny. It's better to get in car with God and say, okay, God, I trust that your plans are better, your ways are better. That's my destiny. I'm going to ride with destiny instead of desperation. 
One pastor was telling the other day, he said, in order for some people to move up to where God wants them to do, you need to move some people out of the VIP section into the general mission section. <laughs> you need to have them to turn in the all-access pad that they have of your life. Because listen, what, what, why in the world would you let somebody who's not obeying God give you directions for your life? I'm preaching better than we're saying amen, but I love you anyway. Stop letting people who are not obeying God give you directions for your life. You may say, I love you, but you no longer have all access to me. Give me your all access pad and move to the GP section. You're in general mission now. <laughs> I ain't kicked you out. I'm just saying you're no longer VIP for me. That makes sense? Come on. The closer we get to God, the more we grow and become better and we enjoy our spiritual life in relationship with Him. And He says it's all about connection. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? God, I ask you to use this today to help us examine our lives. I don't want to be somebody who professes but don't possess. One of my greatest concerns as a pastor as I lead people and I preach the Word of God is that you come and you hear, but you don't listen. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.